Joy Organics, the name to know for CBD products. Joy Organics is the number one zero THC CBD brand. Joy Organics uses only organic hemp grown in the United States. Using industry-leading research and development, Joy Organics is known for product purity and safety with industry-leading reports and transparency. Joy Organics, your source for CBD tinctures, gummies, soft gel caps, balm, and so much more. Welcome to the Ankylosing Spondylitis Podcast. My name is Jason Sacco, and I'm your host. As a 35-plus-year Spondy, I'm looking to use this show to bring the Spondy community closer. I'll give my lifelong battle with AS to you. That includes triumphs, tragedies, and lessons. So sit back, enjoy, and know you are not alone. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Ankylosing Spondylitis Podcast. I'm really glad that we can connect and discuss these topics on Ankylosing Spondylitis. So first, I wanted to read a new review I got from Susan in Tampa in the United States. She left a review on iTunes for the show, and she said, I was very glad to hear Jason talk about dating. My experience has been upsetting in that many men are unwilling to date or go further after the initial meeting, mostly due to the cane and the disabled appearance. I just want to stay in my house and not put myself out there. Well, thanks for all the great information, Jason. Well, Susan, you're welcome. I can certainly understand. As I've said many times, I walk with a cane. I'm hunched over from fusing in my back and neck. And so, you know, I don't give off this great appearance of virility at all. Um, I come walking up and I've had some women leave right as soon as I've walked up from the date without even saying more than hello uh, once they see how I walk. So I can certainly understand it's not a good feeling. It makes you, you know, we already, as folks with ankylosing spondylitis, can be dealing with feelings of rejection. So then when it happens from a complete stranger who you may have had some conversation via text, maybe over the phone, he said, hey, I'm kind of getting along. And then to have that happen, you know, I certainly understand. Or there are the first dates, but there's never the second dates. So Susan, I completely get it. Thank you so much for the review. If you're listening to this episode, contact me through the website, spondypodcast.com on the contact link. And I've got an ankylosing spondylitis podcast decal that I'll shoot out to you. So anyway, I really appreciate that review. Today's question of the week is actually going to tie into the entire episode. As I was reading through the forums on Facebook, one of the messages came out and it struck me as very relatable. And it was from a young lady who was in a relationship. And anytime she had something wrong related to ankylosing spondylitis, the other party, not necessarily one-upping her, but saying, oh yeah, well, I have this. You have that, I have this. You have that, I have this. And well, neither party was wrong in, in expressing how they were dealing with their different ailments. The real issue boiled down to one party, the person with ankylosing spondylitis, wasn't getting the support that they needed. And that really is the crux of a situation I think a lot of us deal with in relationships, whether they be intimate relationships, parental relationships, work relationships. There's certain things we need for support from all the parties different ways, but there's also certain ways we need to handle ourselves. So I wanted to kind of jump into that, and this could be a little bit of a longer episode than normal, so I thought I would just kind of combine the two. As we all know, having any type of chronic condition like ankylosing spondylitis or, or any other number of conditions 
can take a toll on both not only our physical well-being, but also our psychological well-being. And I think the physical well-being we can recover from and push forward through, it's that psychological well-being that can be very, very difficult to correct, move forward, and, and overcome. And that's what we'll talk about to a degree today. So for anybody that's listening that might be a caregiver or new to what ankylosing spondylitis is, in its most simplest form, it's a type of arthritis that creates inflammation in the body. Generally thought of as affecting primarily the spine of people, the vertebrae, it really will connect and attack anywhere that there is the connective tissues and bone. Mine started off really, really heavy in the hips, moved to the spine and other areas, but we're all different. It's going to affect us all different. So, you know, over time, this long-term inflammation can create uh, new pieces of bone that form on the spine, which causes, you know, stooping, hunched over, bamboo spine, it's called. Impair your mobility. For me, it has restricted how far and I can walk, how I walk. And I know that if I'm going to walk long distances, I need to take my scooter with me or make arrangements to have a scooter on site that I rent or, or whatever. When one person in a relationship has ankylosing spondylitis, you know, it's really a challenge for both people to have to deal with. Both parties have to really work hard at sustaining both physical and emotional closeness as the condition progresses. Illness can become all-encompassing and overwhelming, and structure and support are essential to navigate the demands, says Christina Brown, doctorate, chair, and associate professor in the couple and family therapy department at Adler University in Chicago. Here are five common relationship issues you may face when you have ankylosing spondylitis and hopefully some tips to help maintain a healthy partnership. Number one, you feel like you can't talk about the condition. I can certainly relate to this. A lack of communication can hinder any relationship. We all know that. You know, I've been married and divorced a couple times, so I've been there, uh, done that, so to speak. But it can become especially detrimental when someone is dealing with a condition like ankylosing spondylitis. You know, it doesn't matter how long we've been together as a couple. We still need to ask directly for what we need, Brown says, in the context of ankylosing spondylitis. This can mean being clear about whether you want your partner to attend a doctor's appointment with you, for example. And I know this, partners are not mind readers. When you're dealing with your partner, don't expect them to know what you're dealing with emotionally, uh, physically, and pain-wise. I would always say with my last wife, I was very direct about what I needed from her. So if it was help accomplishing something, I was very direct in saying, hey, I need you to help me with this if you don't mind. I just physically can't do it, can't do it alone. It might be that I also had to let her know, look, I don't need help with this. I know you're trying to help me in this particular instance, and while I appreciate it, and I'm grateful for you trying to help me with it, please just let me do it. So you have to address that with your partner, whatever is the best, most appropriate way for your communication level with the partner. If you're not at that point, if you have not let your partner know what you need, please do. Don't get mad and build resentment up because you think that they know you need help with this, whatever this is. You have to be very direct, very blunt. Again, not rude, not mean. Not any way, but here's what I need to be able to function properly. Uh, here's what I need to get whatever. So make sure that you're just very direct. Don't try to think that they're going to guess what you need. And don't avoid the topic. 
even if it becomes you don't want to become a burden, can create feelings of distance and a lack of closeness. Don't sit there and say, oh my goodness, I, I'm going to be a burden on this person for the rest of their life and they're, they're never going to be able to handle this. Don't sell them short. You don't know what they can handle. You don't know what they're capable of stepping up and doing. So that all goes back to the communicate. Let them know what you need, what you are capable of, and watch what they're capable of doing. Some are going to rise up to the occasion. Others are not. It's better you know that while you're still functioning and then you both can go your separate ways if, if that's you know what needs to be done. Again, find a happy medium. You don't want to just always talk about you know your back pain or mo- your lack of mobility or what you can't do. You know, make sure that you also talk with them about what you can do, what you like to do, what you think is still doable in your new condition as you learn about ankylosing spondylitis. Number two, your partner's not sure how to help. This is kind of what I talked about in number one as well, but it should expand on it. Your partner won't always know what you need. They're not a mind reader. And this means that it's up to you, the person with ankylosing spondylitis, to be very clear about what you need help with, when you need help, and when you want to be or can be independent. This way, your partner is going to know what you need help with, what you generally like help with, and what you generally can do on your own. But again, all that can also change at any given time. So you might say, hey, I have no problem with my ankylosing spondylitis doing the dishes. I'll do those. Will you make dinner, whatever, whatever the arrangement is. But then there's going to be that time that your back is killing you and maybe you can't do dishes and you go and ask your partner, not only do you mind cooking, but do you mind you know, cleaning up after the meal? And it's just that conversation that you have to have with them of my back is hurting today, I, I, my hips are hurting today, whatever. And be very comfortable and open about approaching and discussing your limitations at, at that given time. I think that's, at least from my perspective as a man, much harder for the man to do. It's much harder for me to admit that there's things that I can and can't do. And I had that issue with my ex-wives all the time that it was very hard for me to sit there and say, I can't do this. I I can't whatever I can't is. So that created some resentment, some issues in the relationship. And we know that communicating responsibilities, you know, like the physical tasks that you can no longer perform, due to impaired mobility, if, if you tell them, that can help to minimize any tension or resentment in the relationship. And it will also, hopefully, if you're very forward and very communicative about what you can and can't do, you and you do the things that you generally say you can do, it will make your loved one feel more like your romantic partner, your, your partner in life, and not just a caregiver for you. Number three, impaired mobility may limit activities you once enjoyed together. This one is very, very close to me because of the issues I deal with, with walking on a cane and having a drop foot so I wear a brace. So I have a scooter, which makes my mobility issues somewhat mitigated, but it's also a different, it's not the same as being able to walk together when one of you is riding a scooter. So anyway, ankylosing spondylitis, as we know, can make it difficult for getting out and doing and enjoying activities that you might have done as a couple one time, whether it be hiking or going to a shopping center together or the grocery store together or just anything that involves, you know, walking any long distances. Being the person with ankylosing spondylitis, you know that you don't want to really get out there and aggravate your hips, hurt yourself. You know that that two hours of movement could cause two, three, four days worth of pain. So 
as a creature of habit, we want to try to avoid pain as much as possible. And that means that we can sometimes limit our interactions with others. We can reduce our social lives. We all know that. We've all been where we get up in the morning. We feel fairly good. Have every intentions of meeting friends after work or later in the afternoon to do something. And five, six, seven hours later, you're emotionally and physically exhausted. And the idea of then going out and trying to put on a happy face to act like you're having a good time when inside you're dealing with a ton of pain just doesn't strike many of us as being a fun event then. So it's not uncommon. Pick up the phone call, text, whatever, and say, I'm real sorry, I can't make it. Your friends, if you haven't had that explanation or that discussion with them about what ankylosing spondylitis is, they may have hurt feelings because they've been waiting all day for you to go out. They don't understand, and some resentment can build up there where maybe they don't invite you out the next time. And it just becomes this cycle of isolation, and we tell our partners, go ahead, you go and do it. I'm not feeling well. Go out, have fun. And that puts our partners in a position possibly where they start to feel guilty going, man, I'm going out, I'm doing these activities, I no longer have my partner with me, and it puts some guilt on them maybe. There's times I know that even though I've felt horrible, I've had to kind of, in my mind, say, I got to suck it up and, and go out and enjoy this evening as best I can, uh, have as good a time as I can, and just deal with the pain that comes along if it comes along afterwards. So I just have to deal with it. So you kind of got to, or at least I would hope you try to make some effort to not completely isolate yourself because maintaining those social connections is important. I think psychologically, which I talked about earlier, that once that barrier comes down and we start to isolate ourselves, that's when the real damage from ankylosing can start to take place in our mind. So, you know, make sure explain to your friends and family what your limitations are. Make sure that they understand that there's some get-togethers you can attend, there's some you can't. And if your family and friends are not supportive of it or, or think that you're making it up, maybe it's time to find some new friends. You really can't find new family, but you can limit your exposure to them. And maybe your partner's family, you, you spend more time with them if they're more supportive. And just find ways that are beneficial for you to have a good time within the capabilities that you have to act on this new, you know, new norm. This new way of looking at what AS allows your body to do and not do. Because we all can think, this is what I used to like to do but I may not be able to do it anymore. Good example, I love to hike. Used to love to hike, go anywhere, walk, enjoyed it. All I wanted to do was hike. Even though I had been affected by AS and my hips young and had hips replaced, I still liked to go hiking. So maybe, oh, six years ago or so, my ex-wife and I, we were in Arizona and we stopped at this trail. We wanted to, we were going to just walk as far. And she was great. She really very rarely gave me much flack about my condition. And so we decided there was this Bell Rock, it was called, in Sedona, Arizona. Nice groomed trail. We could walk easy. I was on my cane. Said, let's go as far as we can go. So we walked maybe 100 yards. She says, do you want to go back? Now nah, let's keep going. We kept going. We got two, three, 400 yards. We kept going. She kept looking at me. She goes, are you okay? You're going to be okay? Because we got to, every footstep you take this way is one footstep you got to take back to get to the car. I said, nope, I'm good. I feel great. I love the Arizona weather. It's dry. It's cool out. Let's go. I'll tell you. I'll know when I, when I can't go any further. So she said, okay. So we got all the way to the end of the groom trails. Then it started to be rocky, rough, 
I think we should go back. Nope, I'm not going back. Let's keep going. We ended up walking four miles round trip that day, two miles up. Matter of fact, we got so high up on the side of Bell Rock that people would see me coming at them with a cane and look and go, how did you get up here? And I'm like, I climbed. There was many spots where I'd put the cane up on the top of the rock and just go as best I could. And that was before I was wearing a brace. I was really dealing with the drop foot and having the issues of having to pick my foot up and have a weird gait. So I did it that day. I felt great. Did pay for it for a couple of days afterwards, but it was so worth it to me to be able to enjoy it, to get up there at the elevation we got up to and just get back to what I enjoyed that I didn't care about what the ramifications were going to be in the future. So there are times when you're going to feel like that. Let your partner know and just let them know we're going to do as much as we can. Same thing I did when I walked around New Orleans. We took the trolley into the French Quarter, and we walked basically a big circle around the French Quarter from the trolley all the way down to Café du Monde, over up another street through Jackson Square. Just a great time. And we walked a long ways that day. I was exhausted by the time we got back to the hotel room, but it was so worth it because I got to experience the French Quarter the way I wanted to, not on a scooter, but actually just walking it. Today, I don't think I could do that. Today, I'd want the scooter, but at least I can say I did it. And for me, that psychological victory is what really matters. And my spouse at the time, she was fantastic with being very accommodating and understanding that we need to stop, we need to break, he, I need to sit down. So again, that was really a great trip for me. Number four, you may need to redefine intimacy. One of the things I would first suggest you do when you're looking at intimacy is if you have not read the five love languages, that would be the first step I would send you out to do. I know that that has been a book around for a long time and you, you may or may not agree with it, some may or may not, but I think once you define what it is that each person finds important in a relationship, then you can then work to build your new intimate life around that. And so I'll have a link to the five love languages in the show notes. It's an easy book to buy, whether it be Audible or on Amazon.com. So I'll have a link to it through there. And I would encourage you to read it if you have not. Check it out from the library, whatever. But I think it's a very valuable book. As you look at redefining intimacy, once you know what each person finds important, that can help you to build upon that and and come up with what a new normal might be in regards to intimate situations. As Dr. Brown says, first, we have to expand the definition of physical intimacy and then look for creative ways to add to a couple's definition. Touch and closeness are important parts of maintaining physical intimacy. And this can start with whether it be kissing, a caress of the face, a hand on the back or the knee, or for some people, just being in the same room. You might be doing different things, but you're just in the same room. That can all start to build upon that intimate time you'll share later on. You also have to know that and understand and have that conversation with your partner that having sex may not be as easy as it used to be, particularly because you know certain movements can aggravate anglosing spondylitis. But it is possible to stay close and then keep up a healthy and intimate physical relationship despite any limitations. And here's where I'm going to suggest that you go back and listen to episode eight, where I talk with Susan Bratton about sex, intimacy, and romance in a whole in-depth interview where we cover quite a few topics that can help you with this subject. Ultimately, as Dr. Brown says, 
Both partners will likely have to accept that their sex life will not be the same and figure out a new normal and something that is comfortable for the person with ankylosing spondylitis. I hope that you can come to terms with your partner and what you both are capable of doing to maintain that bond and build upon it because AS is not the end of any type of sexual relationship. It just can change what your definition of sex is and you can build upon it from there. Number five, your partner is experiencing caregiver burnout. As an ankylosing spondylitis progresses, uh, your partner may need to take on more responsibilities of the day-to-day activities around the house. And after a long period of time, this can cause the caregiver to possibly feel like there's no me time. And that can be very important for you to realize at that point that maybe your partner needs to go attend an event that they like, or maybe you're able to take on certain non-physical type activities to help that they maybe did before that you take them on and, and it becomes your contribution to what helps to alleviate some of the stress that they may be feeling. If the well partner um, does not attend to their own needs, it can be harmful to both parties and the relationship and themselves, as Dr. Brown says. So learning to spot the signs of caregiver burnout is a small first step. According to the Cleveland Clinic, these include irritability, withdrawal from family and friends, lack of interest in hobbies once enjoyed, changes in sleep patterns, or exhaustion. As an example, those are all things that um, we with ankylosing spondylitis can be dealing with as well. If you start to see that your partner is taking on some of the same characteristics that you may deal with, and you'll, you should be very tuned in to recognizing them, you want to really sit down with your partner and talk about ways to help them alleviate that. It may mean that you guys attend counseling sessions together. A therapist can help you out. Maybe it's they go to a therapist one day, you go another day if, if possible. You, you have to find out what's best for your relationship and what's going to be the cement to hold it together uh, if you can. You know, just be careful. You, you may want to confide in a friend or a loved one about any emotions or frustrations. But again, seeing a therapist may provide a neutral ground for the caregiver to express their feelings and be able to start to address what they need to address as a caregiver and how they may be trying to take on too much which puts more of a burden on them because they're not allowing you to do what you are physically and fully capable of doing. They think that they must step in and do everything. So again, that therapist office can be a real good neutral ground to start to get all of the emotional stuff out in the open. With that said, those are the five things that I wanted to cover in maintaining healthy relationships when you have ankylosing spondylitis. Make sure to go out and check out episode number eight. I'll have a link in the show notes. And please go over to spondypodcast.com, sign up for the occasional when I feel like sending it out newsletter that I'm going to be doing that'll contain just things I'm thinking about, maybe deals I find on good equipment that is helpful to somebody with ankylosing spondylitis, books, and whatever else I might stumble across that I think is important to share when I occasionally feel like sending them out. I really hope that you have a great day. Again, it is always my pleasure to speak with you and be able to communicate with you. And I love hearing back. So take care and have a wonderful day.